1: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet. What does that mean? Makai Beckton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Beckton tape is for you.
0: Denzel Mims with another monster score. Of 70 yards. Quick
1: pass to Crowder yes! trying to get him out of the
0: space. Oh, oh, Slopes oh. a tackle and there he goes, Crowder. It's a foot race and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Darnold escapes trying to buy himself
1: some time. Fires end zone. It's caught. Incredible play by Darnold. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know the... <laughs>
0: Q-inator. Oh my gosh! Listen, thank
1: you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And it's time for the Chronicles of Nania with the man who this show is named for. He is the Resident Stat Geek and co-founder over at JetsXFactor.com, Mr. Michael Nania. Michael, what's going on, buddy?
0: Uh, I mean, just like everyone else, just trying to figure out the ways to find some positives in this, honestly, just looking to finish this off, take advantage of this, make sure we get something that something worthwhile out of this season.
1: Michael, since you mentioned being positive, as we get into the key stats from the Jets loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in week eight, let's start with the good. And the good mostly involved the pass protection from the offensive line. Makai Becton and George Fant did really well. And so did Greg Van Roten, who, believe it or not, is actually starting to play pretty well, even though he was terrible early on.
0: Yeah, Greg Van Roten has really picked it up. I I mean, first four games of the season, he he didn't even seem like much of an upgrade over Brian Winters. He was in both phases losing pretty frequently. I mean, there are things he brings to the table terms of his fundamentals his pass protection is really good last season as a polar he's really good in the run game but first four games those things weren't really clicking and he was struggling in both phases but last four games in pass protection only two pressures allowed zero against Kansas City he's allowed none in three of his past four games so he's really improved the past four games and started to look more like what I think the Jets thought they were getting which is just a decent starter uh, which is probably more than what a lot of people expected but he kind of was a decent starter for the Panthers last year and he's starting to look like that uh and then Makai Becton and George Fant only one pressure apiece against the Chiefs uh for Becton this is just another really good performance for him the Bills game is probably his worst of the season Joe Blewett talked about it the film of that one a lot uh even though he had some highlight plays he did struggle a bit in protection but it was still even though it was his worst game he was average in that one so it's just a testament to how good he's been uh then he bounces back here against the chiefs and plays really well for the most part so just continuing a great season and then for fan he's kind of been alternating between these really impressive performances and then he's had a couple of down games against the cardinals he struggled a bit the bills last week uh but the dolphins game at left tackle he was great broncos game and then now this game so overall he's been average this season I think which is definitely a lot more than I expected and I think what the Jets are hoping to get out of him and definitely the best he's shown to this point of his career but uh, definitely some consistency would be good from him because there have been some games where he's really struggled and there's been games where he's looked really good so consistency is going to be big for Fant going forward.
1: Consistency is also going to be big for Darnold going forward, but this was not one of those games where he consistently produced, especially downfield.
0: Yeah. Yet another game of very limited productivity for Darnold. And then look in this one, this was a game where he did not have that much available to him. Receivers were not getting open Uh, and the pressure early was bad, but throughout the game, the protection did get better with especially at tackles, the tackle spots and guard. Uh, but downfield, he's still uh, there were some shots he had a chance to hit. Uh, I think there was one to Jeff Smith he missed. Uh, a couple of other ones, but he's only one of four beyond 20 yards in this game. Three of nine on um, passes of at least 10 yards downfield. So it, it definitely was an unproductive, inaccurate game of downfield passing. So I don't think this was Darnold's worst game of the season. It was look, it was not good, and I would probably call it bad. But uh, they didn't help. They didn't give him too much to do. But at the same time, he's just not finding ways to make big plays like he would in some games last year, like the Bengals game, the Ravens game. I bring those up a lot. He In those games, there wasn't a lot available to him, but he found ways to make money throws in tight windows to get something going. Uh, and in these games this year, he has not been able to do that, say for literally maybe one throw a game. He's just not finding ways to lift the team up like he did in quite a few games in his first two seasons.
1: Something that's not helping Darnold is perplexing decisions in the passing game and the fact that he was missing two of his best receivers. Rashad Perriman out, as was Jamison Crowder. Braxton Berrios took Crowder's role and did not do very well. And then you look at the decisions when it comes to the targeting. Denzel Mims got three targets, and Berrios, who we already established was not very productive, had 11. I can't understand this.
0: Yeah, this is one of the most interesting. I mean, I mean this coaching staff on a weekly basis does some interesting things, to say the least. But in this game, you have no Crowder, no Perriman, Uh, And Mims showed you quite a bit in that first game. Played well, led them in receiving. Should have posted a lot more yardage than he did if Darnold could have given him better throws, hit that touchdown in the flat. Uh, then you come into this game, and he only gets three targets, only one in the second half. Uh, two of those were in the first quarter, and he still led them in receiving <laughs> with only the three targets and 42 yards, uh, two catches, both in the first quarter. But 11 targets for Barrios. I mean, they are feeding him bubble screens, which he never did anything with. Uh, and I, I just don't understand what Barrios has shown you to warrant touches and those situations there there's just no reason to call those he's not an elusive guy with the ball in his hand as a receiver as a punt returner he's solid but it's completely different position so I'm not sure why they're feeding so many touches to Barrios and then Mims deserves a lot more than three targets and of course part of it is can be Darnold for not finding him part of it could be Mims for not getting open Uh, but when you look at the all 22 the Jets definitely are They're just sending him on a lot of vertical routes that never really panned out. Not really because he wasn't creating separation, but just because the concept wasn't getting him open. So the coaching staff, uh, well, obviously Loggins calling plays was not doing a good job of calling uh, calling the right plays at the right times to get Mims open. And they also could have done more just to get him a touch in the backfield, throw him a screen pass, see what he could do. Give him an end around. Uh, There are just a lot of ways to manufacture touches for a guy who has 438 speed, uh, it, it definitely doesn't make sense to give him only three targets. And again, it's a combination of things. But ultimately, Barrios 11 targets, 34 yards. Mims, three targets, 42 yards. Pretty much sums up everything you need to know about who should be getting the touches right now.
1: You mentioned how Braxton Berrios hasn't been very elusive with the ball in his hands. He's not the only one. LaMichael P. Ryan having the same problem.
0: Yeah, so far, Michael P. Ryan definitely hasn't shown you really any traits to be excited about. You've seen, I guess, a little bit of everything. There have been moments in pass protection where he's looked good. He's had a big run here or there when the blocking has been good. But in terms of making guys miss, that definitely, which is probably the number one thing you want from a running back, it, that's definitely not something he's shown so far. He's only been credited with four broken tackles over 49 touches this season. Uh, Sixth fewest evaded tackles per touch this season out of 63 qualified running backs, even less than Frank Gore, who's about middle of the pack. So uh, definitely you... And this was a question with drafting Pirine. There were other running backs available who might have had lower floors, might not have seemed as pro-ready as him, but they just had higher upside in terms of speed, the ability to make guys miss, uh, contributions in the passing game. Although P. Ryan did contribute in the passing game, with the Gators quite a bit. It, it wasn't really as a receiver so much. He did make some plays, but he there wasn't a ton of versatility to his game. Uh, explosion, upside. So he was a high floor, low ceiling kind of pick, and that's the kind of player he looks like right now. Uh, and, and if you can get that out of a fourth round pick, if you can, can get a Bilal Powell, you know, that's solid. But the Jets definitely, uh, it doesn't seem like he's a uh, long-term Starting running back, and the Jets can definitely uh, swing for the fences a bit more at this position next offseason.
1: Michael, we are about to discuss something that is not exactly in the positive realm because we talked about wanting to be positive, but we also have to paint an accurate picture. So, as much as we would love to sit here and say nothing but positive things throughout the entire show today, we're going to have to talk about. The 20 players that have been the least valuable on the Jets this season. You have this up at JetsXFactor.com. Let's start at the beginning of this list. Number 20 is Neville Hewitt. Number 19 is Connor McGovern. Number 18 is Jordan Jenkins. Number 17 is Lamar Jackson. Number 16 is Josh Malone. There's a difference in a handful of these guys. With Neville Hewitt... I don't think that anybody really expected him to be any kind of difference maker. Clearly, that would be the case with Josh Malone and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson brought in as an undrafted rookie. And then you have Jordan Jenkins and Connor McGovern. There was a lot more expected from both of those guys. Jordan Jenkins expected to be at least a solid edge rusher. Connor McGovern expected to be an above-average center. Neither of those things have happened so far this season.
0: Yeah, t- definitely with those two guys. And I-, I think that's really the core of the Jets' struggles this season. There are a lot of players just performing well below their usual expectations. These two guys are a couple of them. And, and Jenkins hasn't been a good player in his career, but you could argue he's been okay at times. But this season, he is not. Been that only 8% pressure rate, 8.4%. That is 58th out of 81 qualified edge rushers. And his edge setting has not been good. Teams have victimized him on quite a few option plays, end arounds, things like that. Uh, and he's bitten on the wrong thing and let those plays get by him. And then McGovern, uh, McGovern's been it's been odd to see what McGovern has been doing this season because it's not physical. He looks okay. He's been run blocking decently, which is what he did last year. And in protection, he doesn't really get beat one on one. It's just picking up blitzes and stunts in the mental part of the game, which is where he was really good last year for the Broncos. So it's it's weird to see that decline from him. Maybe it's just chemistry. Maybe it's the lack of a preseason and an off season, uh, enjoying a new team with everything that's happened this year. Maybe you can uh, attribute it to that, but whatever it is, McGovern has allowed the second most pressures among centers this year with 20. He allowed 15 all of last year in 16 games, so it was already eclipsed that by five in the first half of the season. So Jets definitely need a lot more from him, especially considering he's going to be around next year on that contract. He's not going anywhere, so they definitely need to see more from him.
1: The next five players on the list, Henry Anderson, Chuma Adoga, Chris Hogan, Jeff Smith, and Ryan Griffin Jeff Smith is a guy that was sort of a flyer he's had a few moments here and there but you've gotten more or less what you would have expected from him Chris Hogan's another one, a veteran, but somebody that's bounced around from team to team for a reason. Here's where it gets interesting, though. Henry Anderson had a pretty good first year with the Jets. They signed him to an extension, and ever since then, he's been terrible. I guarantee you that Joe Douglas is counting down the days until he can release Henry Anderson and not have to worry about a punitive cap hit. Chuma Doga, somebody who was drafted in the third round last year, Some people thought that he could potentially develop into a starter, but he's been awful. And then at number 11, Ryan Griffin, another disappointment, played pretty well last year, but has done next to nothing this year.
0: Yeah. Ryan Griffin's definitely been uh, one of the many disappointments. Uh, But I mean, Griffin had that ankle surgery and he talked about in the off season that he didn't feel the same, that he might not ever be the same. And definitely seems that way. He hasn't been able to get open at all. He's last qualified tight ends in yards per route run this season only five catches this season on 84 routes run so it, it's been a tough season for him for sure and I, I mean I guess what he was saying he was definitely being truthful about it because the receiving production just hasn't been there for him this season so it just just one of many disappointments at the skill positions and there's another guy at the same position who we will talk about who somehow has been even more disappointing than Griffin but uh, for Griffin, I think the Jets definitely hoped he'd be that solid tight end too, give you a couple touchdowns here and there in the red zone, be a good short yardage guy, some short first down pickups, but that really has, he has one first down catch this season. So he's been, and, and he's been playing, like I said, he's 84 routes run this season. So that's over 10 per game. He's only given them one first down. So definitely been a disappointing season for him.
1: The next five on the list, Alex Lewis, who has been absolutely terrible. In pass protection One of the worst guards in the league in that category Alec Ogletree Who looked so unbelievably slow When he played for the Jets This season It's amazing to think that just a couple of years ago He was actually a pro bowler Doesn't seem like that could be possible Joe Flacco You knew what you were getting here 35 year old coming off of neck surgery He's a shell of what he once was No surprise there Josh Andrews who we thought might be solid depth He's been absolutely awful As a guard for the Jets filling in and bless Austin bless Austin hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been anything close to what people were hoping for. He was a sixth round pick. And so when he played well last year for a couple of games, people got their hopes up. But in reality, he's essentially a rotation piece, which is not bad value for a sixth round pick, but he's certainly not proving to be one of the long term answers at cornerback.
0: Yeah, and like you said, as a six-round pick. If you can, if you get a six-round pick who even plays in the league, it's above average, let alone give you a decent stretch like he did last season. But he set the bar really high, and he hasn't been able to come close to meeting it this season. I, missed tackles have been the biggest thing. He's got the third most with 10 missed tackles among quarterbacks this season. Uh, and, then, and then in coverage, he hasn't... I mean, th- the first few games of the season, he didn't give up too much, but... I think we're starting to see things kind of even out a little bit these past couple games because he's been getting beat. The throws haven't always been there. Uh, There have been four drops into his coverage this season that have bailed him out. Against the Bills, he gave up a 22-yard touchdown pass that was called back. Uh, And then against the Chiefs, things kind of are going back up to where they should be Uh, He was really victimized in this game quite a bit, obviously gave up the big touchdown. uh, I believe a couple of touchdowns in this game. Uh, So he struggled the season, his coverage grade at PFF is at the 10th percentile among cornerbacks. Like I said, missed tackles. He's third, got the third most at the position. Uh, So it's definitely not been the breakout season that, that I thought he would have. I was a big fan of him and thought he was going to have really established himself as a, Good starter for this team, but that hasn't panned out at all. But 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 like you said, if if he can be your fourth, fifth corner going forward, I mean, he does offer some length. And and look, this is his second season, still hasn't started a full, even a full 16 games worth of starts, so he can still improve. Uh, but even if he could just be a depth piece for you in the sixth round, you got to consider that a win.
1: The final five on this list, Avery Williamson, who has now been traded, looked to be a shell of himself. He was injured last year and was absolutely abysmal in pass coverage this season. Bradley McDougald, I'm going to paraphrase Paul Heyman on this one. He came, he saw, he sucked, he got hurt, he's on injured reserve. That pretty much sums up Bradley McDougald's tenure here with the Jets. Pierre Desir, the only positive thing you could say about him is at least he's not Tremaine Johnson. Chris Herndon, this is a guy that we had very high hopes for. Everybody assumed that after he had some flashes his rookie season that he was going to be a top 10 tight end He got suspended last year then got hurt immediately. So he missed the entire season This year, everything that could go wrong for him has. He can't catch the ball, and on the rare occasions that he does, he fumbles it. I can't even imagine a tight end playing worse than Christopher Herndon has, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone at the end of the season. And then Sam Darnold. There's no other way to say it, but Sam Darnold has been very bad so far this year. We could talk about why that's been the case or if he's part of the solution going forward, but as far as how he has played so far this season... There's no real debate on that one. He's played very poorly.
0: Yeah, and that's really disappointing. I was a huge Darnold fan from the time they drafted him throughout the entirety of his first two seasons. I really thought this was going to be a breakout season for him, but things change. He's not the same player that he used to be. His weaknesses have become even more profound. His strengths are not showing up as frequently as they were. And he's developed new, new weaknesses that really weren't problems for him. So uh, it you just have to be honest. And even though he doesn't have the best situation, just independent of that, uh, he's a much worse player than he was and a much worse player than he needs to be to be a franchise quarterback and for the jets to pass up on trevor lawrence or even uh, justin fields if they don't land number one but darnold being number one on this list for me i mean it just comes down to the fact that he plays the game's most important position and he's been the worst starter in the league at that position he's last among qualifiers in yards per attempt net yards per attempt, passer rating passing yards per game dvoa Um, has the second lowest touchdown pass rate, second worst PFF passing grade, second worst QBR, third worst adjusted completion percentage, his passing conversion rate percentage of passes for a 1st down or touchdown. That's the worst in the league and on pace to be the worst versus league average in the past 27 seasons, which is as long as that stat is available. So really, in any way you look at it, he's been the worst starting quarterback in the league this season. And, the thing that's most important is that the film backs it up. Last couple seasons he didn't put up good numbers, but he looked a I, I thought he looked a lot better than those numbers suggested, especially uh second half of last season and the final four games of 2018. But this season, the the guy you see on film is the exact same guy you see in these numbers. That's how well he's played this season. And and these past two games since he came back, not as bad as some of his worst performances at the beginning of the season, just because the Jets haven't given him as many open receivers to not get the ball to, but those the Colts game the Broncos game and the bills game are the first bills game are three of the worst games of his entire career. He just left so, so, so many plays on the field, way way more than he ever has in any other game. Maybe go back to a couple early in his rookie year, but definitely more than any last year. Uh, so, I mean, it's so disappointing. I I really thought, and it's again not entirely his fault. Mostly on the Jets for struggling to not building around him correctly, hiring the wrong coach, um, but and you know not giving him offensive line help, receiver help, all the stuff in the book. But this is the reality. Sam Darnold right now is uh, probably the worst starting quarterback in the league uh, until he proves otherwise. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal.
1: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Michael, last order of business. The Jets have made some trades recently. They haven't gotten a lot in return for the players that they've shipped off Steve McClendon, Jordan Willis, Avery Williamson. But the fact is, the Jets did get something, which is more than we expected. And the value here, I think, is a lot better than a lot of people realize. Tell me a little bit about what you dug up as far as the value that Joe Douglas was able to get in these trades.
0: Yeah, well, with these three trades with, you know, Jordan Willis, Steve McClendon, now Avery Williamson, essentially, Douglas took three seventh round picks and turned them into two sixth round picks and a fifth round pick, which is, you know, a, a nice, you know, a nice turnout for three players who were not going to be around next season anyway. McClendon and Williamson, free agents. McClendon, very old. He's gonna be thirty-five years old. And Williamson hasn't played well this season at all and Willis is a fringe player who wasn't even playing for them as the worst team in the league. So to get anything for them is really good, but re- being able to do what he did, two-sixths two and a fifth compared to three-sevenths, is a pretty big upgrade. You look at approximate value at Pro Football Reference, which kind of looks at a player's long-term value, how much they play, how well they play, contributing to winning. Uh, so in terms of approximate value, A, V, Per season for three seventh round picks, those three picks are expected to give you 1.7 AV per season. But the package that Jets got in return, two sixth rounders and a fifth rounder, 3.2 AV per season. So that's an increase of over 80%. So they almost doubled the value of three draft picks by giving up three players who they weren't going to have next year anyway. So really good work by Douglas. And look, that's not a substantial increase. Fifth round pick, sixth round pick still are not expected to give you very much, but they're definitely expected to give you substantially more than a seventh rounder is. So to turn those three into two, six and a fifth, almost doubling the value uh, of the expected value of what you're going to get out of those three selections.
1: Much better value than most people realize, as I said. And I think that at this point of the season, especially with the Jets being 0 and 8, Being able to get anything for players that you know you're going to be moving on from at the end of the season is a smart move. Good value by Joe Douglas, but not as good as the value that you can get over at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college football, MMA, boxing, there's tons of stuff to bet on. Thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events. So you can turn your game day into a payday with MyBookie. Just sign up at MyBookie, and when you do, use the promo code OVERTIME and you can get yourself a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. You can bet on the Jets this coming Monday against the Patriots. You can bet on the Patriots against the Jets. You can bet on any of the props, or you can bet on the full slate of games Saturday for college football, Sunday for the NFL. Whatever you want, it's all there at my bookie. Use the promo code overtime and you can claim your bonus when you make your first deposit. Michael Nania doing a great job giving us the stats as always. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I know you've got tons of stuff that you're working on as we speak. Literally as we're talking, you're typing and getting your next article ready for jetsxfactor.com. So what do you got cooking over there?
0: That's actually completely true. I was literally (laughs) typing while you were saying that. Um, But Sam Darnold grades, as as I do every week, Uh, interested to see this game. I haven't done it yet. I think this will probably be his second best game the season after San Francisco. But considering that this was still a very unproductive game goes to show the kind of season that it's been. But uh, the rankings that we discussed, top 20 worst players, that's out. I'm probably going to do the opposite of that. Uh, the best players of the season. I don't know if I can do top 20 best players, because I don't know if there have been 20 good players, <laughs> but maybe top 10 best, but that will definitely be coming. Uh, so plenty of stuff as usual, and and defensive film. I think there are going to be uh, some really good defensive plays to look at in this game. Quinn and Williams, Frankl Myers. Again, these two guys keep showing up, uh, so a lot of defensive film uh so plenty of stuff uh coming out as usual and joe blue and robbie sabo doing their thing as well with the film they're constantly at it with great breakdowns. so same old same old jet x
1: Go ahead and check out Michael's work over at JetsXFactor.com, along with the great work of Robbie Sabo and Joe Blewett. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.